Coming up today on The Fit Mess. I want to be everything I can be in this life. I want to do everything that I aim to do. And then, damn it, if this stupid shit that I experienced when I was seven is going to stop me from doing that, that's not, that's not acceptable. That's Chris Michael Harris, host of the Startup You podcast. Today, we'll talk to him about how he burned out early as a successful entrepreneur and how he rose from the ashes physically and mentally. And we'll learn more about some of the more experimental things he's tried in order to heal. But first, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Zach. We've spent years pushing ourselves to learn more about our own physical, emotional, and mental health and picked up a few coaching certificates along the way. But really, we're two guys who got sick of our own shit and started making changes to be healthier, happier, and live more meaningful lives. And each week, we talk to world-class experts with advice to help you do the same. Zach, one of the things we're going to talk about with Chris today is something that you and I talk about a lot on and off the mic, and it's the idea of the things that we attach ourselves to, the things that our, our ego holds on to, that, that we make a part of ourselves. And I first recognized this in some of my first jobs working in radio because it was, this, it was cool, right? I had a cool job in radio. Who the fuck works in radio? That's pretty cool. And I just clung to that. Like I was so afraid of losing that job because who the hell am I if I don't have this cool job? And if I, you know, if I end up going working at, you know, fill in the blank burger joint and, you know, all of a sudden I'm not special anymore. And there's so many things since then, even podcasting to some degree is, is very much a part of my identity for years. Alcohol was a part of my identity publicly and, you know, behind closed doors. So what Chris shares with us today about how that burned him out so badly by attaching himself, by, by attaching his identity to, to things and, and industry. There's so many powerful lessons in this conversation today. Years ago. And I think this was, this was kind of the, it was the pivotal moment for me. Like I had been on like a health kick for the most part up until I think 2015, but this was the pivotal moment for me because I actually lost my identity. I had a job where I had teams of people and I was really good at it and it was really like who I was. You knew me then. I was always on my phone. I was always working and like, that was me. Yeah. And I decided to take another role and all my whole team went away. I went back to like just being an individual contributor and like my world disappeared overnight when I left that job and I had no idea how tied I was to that and how much it was my identity and I spent the better part of two years figuring out who the fuck I was mm -hmm. because well, I didn't have me anymore. Yeah. Fast forward to now. There have been a few changes in the last year as well. Things that are very much a part of what is typically your identity. Yes. But because of all the work that I did in the past, like mm -hmm. it didn't phase me as much. Like it still phased me. But again, job related, I left a job that was really toxic. I didn't have anything lined up. Like I just walked away from my job, but it didn't hurt me because my job was not my identity. However, the other thing was walking away from my marriage. That was very much a part of my identity because my ex and I would put on the show of we are a happy couple and we do the things together and we go on vacation and all of that. So that one hurt a little bit, like from an identity perspective. Yeah. But I, I, again, had I not done all of this work in the past of like going, who the fuck am I? It would have hurt a lot more. So I walked away from that going, okay, well, I'm not married anymore, which is a huge part of anyone's life who's married. Mm -hmm. But I, I had a really, I have a really good sense of who I am, what my values are and what my identity is. So 
it definitely didn't hurt as much, but God, if I hadn't gone through that back in 2015, mm-hmm. I would have been destroyed by this last year. I think, I think I had something similar. I don't know that my work in it was as intentional maybe as yours, but I remember having bounced around in radio jobs a little bit as you do in that industry and sort of realizing that I shouldn't attach myself to whatever show I was producing or whatever project I was a part of. And it got easier to just start seeing work as, oh, that's just, they're just the ones that pay me. They're just, they keep the lights on. That's not something that that is me anymore. And I think that realization, I sort of just started applying accidentally to other areas of my life. And I think that's what made it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend it's easy, but it made it possible for me a year ago to sell my house, leave my town, my family, my friends, my country, and go and live this whole other life in a whole other place where I know nobody. And it's really interesting. It's a weird place. And and maybe you're feeling some of this too, but it's a weird place to be in when you do sort of have a clean slate. And even Mm -hmm. if you know yourself, I think there's still a bit of a mask that you wear in general with people and you, and you have to sort of decide who am I to them? Like what, what mm-hmm. version of me do I share with these people? And when I had this feeling just yesterday, I was walking through uh, like a shopping plaza and I had the sense of, oh, I wonder if somebody like I'll run into somebody I know. Of course I won't. I don't know anybody here. <laughs> but I had this like this weird feeling of I, I am literally whoever I want to be here because there is no preconceived notion. There is no story attached to who I am other than the new guy. Right. So I, I still very much. And, and I think the lesson that applies here is that you at any point in your life can rewrite the story and, and become whoever you want to be by taking the actions you need to take to get there. Yeah, you don't have to move to the middle of nowhere, Canada. Right, right, you don't. Do that. Although I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. I'm sure. I'm sure it's great. (laughs) No, you can stay put and you can do it. And it would be harder, right? And I think some of the changes that one would make, depending on what it is, right? You might lose some friends, but you might gain some friends too, like that are better suited to who you want to be as a person. Absolutely. So who I am as a person is highly dependent on how my chemical makeup is running right? You got to feed that engine. And that's why I take athletic greens. I started taking athletic greens because I really needed to have a supplement that tasted great, gave me all the things that I needed. And I didn't want to have to take 10 pills a day or spend all of my time cooking all the meals. I try and get my nutrients from food, but let's face it, we don't get everything we need every day from food. So athletic greens was a great solution for me. It tastes great. gives me everything I need for more energy, better gut health, optimized immune system. It has less than a gram of sugar and there's no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it actually does taste good. And for what you get, it's less than $3 a day. And right now is the time to incorporate better health. And Athletic Greens is a perfect start. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash fitmess. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash fitmess to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That link will be on the show notes and it's plastered all over our website at thefitmess.com. All right. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, our guest today is Chris Michael Harris. He's the host of the wildly popular Startup You podcast. We had a great conversation with him about how he burned himself out really badly by being a constant go-getter, overachiever, the lessons he learned from that, the corrections he had to make to his health to get that back in line and some of the more experimental things he's doing now 
to keep going even further. Obviously, you guys know me to be an entrepreneur. I've kind of, I kind of just fell into that. I always say this, it's a lifestyle, not a career. And a, most of the people, you know, my show, that's what we, we talk to entrepreneurs. And I've done like three, 400 of them. And I would say that the common denominator is we all were, were doing something outside of the nine to five. Like we all understood very inherently at a young age that there was another way to make money that was better suited for us. Um, I'm not saying that entrepreneurs are purely born and not not bred or created, but I think that there's a lot of us like like myself that we just kind of always jive with that, right? So even way back 10, 11, 12 years old, I was doing lawn care businesses. By the time I got to high school, I, a buddy of mine and I made that like a more real thing. And we made $16,000 in my, between my junior and senior year in, in high school, got to college, more of the same, started a moving company because the building I lived in sucked to move out of. That within 72 months later became a multi-million dollar moving an installation business, learned so much along the way from that experience that I wrapped it up into doing what I do now, which is providing online education, information products are, are a vastly growing industry. And so helping other people through the experiences that I've had kind of navigate how to start and grow a business, but to do it successfully and not feel like you're pigeon held to the nine to five. And there are other options that are viable, not just to replace your income, but also to create generational wealth. That's all awesome and very similar to what we do here with our own sort of health journey and, and helping yeah. people along the, the way with our own experiences and what's worked and what's not worked for us. And I know along the way for you, you had your own health issues. And so I was hoping to dive into that a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and, and what you learned about yourself and, and what happened to you? Yeah, it wasn't a death sentence, but it was pretty damn close. So in the middle of that that moving company builds, uh, we like I mentioned, we did get into doing some installation work and we were traveling all over the country and 32 states and hundreds and hundreds of employees and all this and that. And I was taking red eyes and driving. In a 10-day span, I drove from uh, the distance, the equivalent distance of New York to LA and halfway back in 10 days, just all over the country. It's funny, when you look at the map of the country, it doesn't look that big. It's like, oh, Georgia to Nebraska. Well, it's just like here to here. And it's like, yeah, but that's like 26 hours. <laughs> yeah. So it was just so much growth. And we were just trying to keep up and I'm having to fill in wherever I needed to be. And, and I really wasn't taking care of myself we found out later on that it was more so a lot of these things kind of began at a younger age, the, the issues that I experienced, but definitely the catalyst was living in a way, drinking a lot in college. It was kind of the perfect storm, but the, the final like nail in the coffin was those four years of just abusing my body for that business. Right. So finally things were getting real bad. My energy was really depleted. I just did not feel good. I was really, really struggling. The caffeine, I was taking caffeine pills because drinking coffee wasn't even enough on top of Vyvanse. There were times when I was just drinking monster energy drinks, the resealable ones. And that's all I had the whole day. No food at all. That was like nourishment in a can. Obviously, that's not wow. nourishment. So, you know, when you're young and you're in your 20s, you're like, shit, I'm bulletproof. It's the dream, right? It's yeah. it's 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 the it's having the the Bezos success story. It's the having the Musk success story. And you're driven by that, right? And it's it's a powerful thing to be driven by. So finally, my wife's like, you got to do something about it. Like this is I've been telling you for years is getting bad. You got to do something about it. So I went and got some some functional medicine labs done and it was bad. So I won't get into too much of the details of that specifically, but we were very closely trending to like what could have been cancerous territory. I, I won't be too TMI, but just to give an example of where I was at, uh, my urinalysis and my saliva analysis showed double zero. So my, my thyroid was, wasn't working at all. My hormones were completely shot. Testosterone was in the floor. I could not produce a movement, bowel movement, more than like once or twice a month. And I was just having to like take heavy cleansers just because I would get so, I got so bad to the point that like my skin would start to change color. It looks kind of greenish because you're not eliminating toxins the way you're supposed to be doing. Um, so so uh, a lot of the pharmaceutical remedies that I was on because I had experienced some of those issues previously, 
you know, the, the Vivances and the antidepressants and stuff like that had kind of actually exacerbated the problem. So it was like, you got to get off of these. You got to cut down the stress in your life and you've got to completely revamp your lifestyle unless you want to die by 40 or 50. Like that was the conversation we had with wow. the functional medicine, integrative medicine doctor. Um, and I, I chose to go that route, more natural route. I, I watched people go down the other route of just taking the next drug and putting a Band-Aid on it. And it's just not, it, it's just, it, you know, you take something and then you've got to accommodate for 20 more side effects, if not vastly more than that. So it was a total revamp from the ground up, man. And so that business we chose to walk away from that moving company installation business because of this reason. And I think a lot of people are like, why don't you sell it? And it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't just put it on marketplace. Like, that's not how <laughs> selling a business works. I hate to break. I wish it was that easy. Yeah. So under Craigslist, uh, you know, businesses for sale, you just oh, offer yeah, exactly, them up, exactly. meet at the mall. No big deal. Yeah. So and they're so all we, legitimate, right? Oh yeah. Totally, <laughs> yeah. totally. You know, huge opportunities here. When acquisitions take place in, on Wall Street, <laughs> that's how they go down. Yeah. Craigslist M and A's. Um, yeah, so we chose to walk away from it. It sucked. I hated it. It was like losing a it was like losing a, a loved one or something because your first business, that's your baby, right? And the doc's like, look, if you're gonna do this, the first thing you have to do is you have to, I don't want any stress in your life. You have to totally just relax because I know you've been the opposite of that. And you've burned your adrenals and all this and that. And your body needs to heal. Cool. What the hell am I gonna do with my life? I can't sit around. This is gonna make me more stress sitting around. I gotta do something. So I started the podcast, which is now Start of You Podcast. It was Entrepreneur Hour at the time. And that just kind of started to take off, man. It just kind of, within two weeks, we were trending top 10 in the world under New and Noteworthy. At the time, it was iTunes uh, under Business, Health, and Education. And I realized that I had something to share with people. And obviously, they're getting value out of it. So we leveraged that into getting now three of the sharks from Shark Tank. Grant Cardone's got Kawasaki's, Dave Asprey's. You guys have had Dave. You know Dave. Um, Just some of the biggest names that like I didn't think I'd ever have the opportunity to speak to in a one-on-one capacity or now like on my show, which was really cool. And then we leverage that into doing what I'm doing now, which is having that online business and brand. So it just kind of something that was really terrible. And I'm happy to get into more details if you'd like me to. Um, but something that was like literally the darkest moment of my life. Like I was suicidal. I won't even try to, you know, say otherwise. I was absolutely suicidal. I, I lost sight of who I was as a person. Everything with my identity was wrapped up in that business. Like I was Chris, the successful entrepreneur. And even how we let out today, you know, you ask people like, who are you? What I don't go into this like, well, here's who I am. My favorite right. color is blue. My favorite food is pizza. And I love this. And I live in Austin. It's like, <laughs> I am entrepreneur. This is what I do, right? It's our name and what we do. That's how we introduce ourselves in the Western world, yeah. right? And so when you lose that and you've built your whole identity and you've poured everything you have into it and you're seeing your friends, family members and stuff like that, you know, they're off into the world. They're having kids. They're buying homes. And you feel like you're starting from scratch and you've sunk 10 years and everything into it. And you're like, shit, like now what, you know? Um, and now not only that, my wife has to kind of carry the ball for a while. So I'm having this like crazy amount of guilt because I'm having to pass the ball to her and I'm like trying to be like a conciliator to, to her to, to, you know, help her kind of grow her business, but I can't do the pushing and the heavy lifting. I always say this, it's like, it's like if Wolverine lost his ability to heal, like, that's what it felt like. I was kind of like naked out in the woods, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. what, like, <laughs> what do I do? You know, like I've lost my superpower, which was to work hard. So it was a really trying time in my life, man. And I had to, I was forced to really address a lot of really deep, dark rooted issues that were really driving me in that unhealthy manner and that unhealthy way. Right. And, and having to reconcile these things because I heard this guy he talks about it really interesting. I just found him on TikTok. He talks about this thing, he calls it the tunnel. He says you go from starvation and it's starting to thrive. And then you enter this, this season called the tunnel. And the tunnel is basically like you lose everything. Right. And this doesn't happen to everybody, but for, for high achievers, like big, you know, you know, folks like that trying to do big things in the world. 
the tunnel, like everything feels dark. You can see maybe a little light at the end of the tunnel, but for a while you're in total darkness. When you get to the end of that, there's you, you have to one of two ways to go. You can either accept that defeat and you can just go and try to play not to lose, or you break through and become what he calls a king, you know, become the person you were intended to be. And when he says that, I'm like, holy shit, like has this guy like is this guy living in my life? Like it's exactly you know how I felt throughout that process. But you but during that time in that tunnel, man, you really have to face your demons. Like I always say this entrepreneurship of all of all all things that I've experienced in life is going to pull out the good shit in you and it's going to pull out the bad shit in you. Like you're going to find both. You're going to find all the ways that you didn't realize what you're capable of. And you're going to find all the ways that you're carrying baggage for lack of a better term, right? You're going to find all the ways that, that you are your own worst enemy, which I think is very applicable to what you guys talk about. So you, you mentioned, you know, we could go into more detail if we wanted, and I do want to. To some extent, I know I know that like gut health was very important for you in in your recovery. But can you can you just talk a little bit more about being down there at like at the lowest point and what you had to do to like mentally pick yourself back up? Yeah, I think the thing is, man, is you can't you you uh, you can't trust yourself when you're there because you're neurologically. Uh, I don't know if people understand purely, you know, how the gut brain axis works, but, but effectively you produce more neurotransmitters in your gut than you do your brain. And people don't understand that uh, the, the, the gut is the, is the second, is the second brain of the body. Um, you have more nerve endings in your gut than you do your, your actual spinal column, which is nuts. People don't think about that. So when you have that, not only just the gut issues, but the other rampant issues that as we kept unearthing things, we kept fine. I mean, it was like a chain reaction. It was everything that needed to be addressed to a large degree. Um, all the major ones anyways. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust your thoughts. You really can't. Um, so, so for what I did was I would find my North Node, and, and that ended up being mentors, positive examples, working with therapists. You know, to, I, it was like you're not going to make any major life decisions right now because you're you're a wounded bird. You've, you've clipped your wings, and so your mind is in a place of oh my god, I can get out of here, but I don't have a wing, and, and so you can't trust you can't trust your thoughts. As crazy as that sounds, like I wish it was, I wish I had the mindset now, Zach, that I had back then when I was going through that, because I would have been able to pragmatically work myself through it in a much more seamless manner than I did. Um, but you, 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 that's, there's not a, it's impossible to explain unless you've been there. There's, there's not rational deduction that's, that's going on in your mind. It's like pure survival mentality every single day. And so you have to lean on people. You have to lean on your doctors. You have to lean on your therapist. You have to lean on your spouse. You have to lean on, mentors, coaches, whatever you have at your disposal to kind of help you see what 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 you should be doing, right? So my business coach and mentor had been through a similar situation on more than one occasion, he almost died more than once. I told him I'm never going to hang out with him because in person more than five minutes at a time, because I'll probably end up come close to dying how much he almost dies. <laughs> but um, he, he kind of he, he kind of was one of my north nodes. He was like, this is what you need to do. Here's the playbook. And I just executed and followed it. Doctors, here's the playbook. Execute, right? Like no major decisions. Make your life as stress-free as possible and just follow the resources that you have at your disposal and put them put them or YouTube videos. Find people online. You know, I found uh, a couple of influencers like in the health space, not influencers, actual physicians that I followed. Okay, great. Take notes, right? So I, I, I had to kind of let go and, and put it in other people's hands to a large degree. Uh, and then finally we started to see Okay, there was the, the spark. I called it the spark. Like my brain started to thaw out, right? We felt like kind of a spark. I started coming back. Um, and, and you know, then I could start to make more decisions for my career and my life and new ideas and, you know, stuff like that. And all that stuff had gone away. Like once we ripped the Band-Aid and I stopped taking the Vivance and antidepressants, it was like, it was zombie mode. There was just nothing going on, you know? 
Um, so yeah, so leaning on a lot of those things and then slowly getting to the point where I started to trust myself again to start making decisions because otherwise I would have made really bad ones, to be honest. I want to go back to that part where you're sort of in the tunnel, mostly because I'm kind of in the tunnel right now. I, I left, you know, a 20-year career in radio for the last year. I've been throwing everything I have into, you know, this, trying to grow this yeah. thing. And I'm, I'm in, same thing. My wife is the one with the full-time job. I'm the one doing this and, and you know, breadwinner status went away, all of that. And yeah. I'm leaning hard on what you're talking about, finding the mentors, yeah. finding the people with the resources, the advice. One thing there is no shortage of in the world right now is advice. Yeah. So how, how do you know, I guess, who to listen to? Who do you trust? Because I, I'm getting to a point where I'm starting to believe that any coach, any mentor, if you follow their plan, it will work. Yes. The trick is to not get distracted by every shiny object that comes up that says, oh, but have you thought about it this way? What about this? Have you thought about this? We can do this in 30 days. You know, all, there's just, you're flooded with your yeah. life can be fixed if you just do what I say. So yeah. how do you know who to trust and, and how do you navigate that? It's a fantastic question. And I did the exact same thing that you're talking about at first. It was like, and honestly, I said this, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. I think mm -hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk is fantastic. Totally. Gary Vaynerchuk is my effing kryptonite when it was in that season because his, his mechanism was my fallback. Same with, I would always, like I said, it was my Wolverine, just work harder, work harder, work harder. Mm -hmm. And that I had to learn a new, that wasn't the problem. So Gary, who Gary Vee's talking to is the kid that's living in mom's basement at 33 and yep. playing video games. Yep. That ain't me. So for me, that's too much. That's like, you know, that's, that's like steroids for a, a, a racehorse. Like it's just too much. Right? <laughs> right. Right. Same with Grant Cardone, 10X bro. I, I've, I've already 50 X, right? Like I grew nothing literally an idea into a multimillionaire company when I was 25 years old. Like, that's not my problem, right? So I needed other outlets and other things that I needed to find. And I say this, there's a book that you should look into. It's called The Shallows. It talks about what the internet is doing to our brains. It's really fascinating. One of the things that it talks about is um, we, cognitive overload, right? So we're giving ourselves, your working memory can retain about five to seven things. And that's even been found to be overstated. So me, what that means is like, if, if somebody's listening to this episode, they're going to retain about maybe five to seven things. If they really go through what's called schema, right, which is where the brain actually takes things from working memory into forming long-term memories and then makes neural connections into how they apply that into your life, right? So your brain's going through that process on its own. The working memory is like jotting something down on a notepad. The long-term memory is like your RAM, right? That's like your deep, like you can store so much stuff in your, like that deep level part of your brain, right? The problem with what you're talking about and why I referenced the book is a lot of us right now with the way we're using the internet just all day, nonstop, it's changing our brains. And what they found was studies are showing just an hour a day for five days. It was a, a I think they did at Berkeley or something like that a study was changing people's brains the way their actual uh, neurons were firing after just an hour a day for five days. Uh, we've lost our deep thinking abilities to a large degree, which is why the book is called The Shallows. Um, we we become we're really burning out our dopaminergic responses, which means dopamine receptors are just completely burned. So you you don't have that like work really hard to get that reward and it makes the reward that much better. Why? Because you can just go to your phone and get the same dopamine response. Yep. Right. I'm not saying that's your issue and you know per se, sure. but I do think that the other one, the, the core premise that applies is there's too much damn information. One of the most beautiful things that that I experienced with that first business, because this was pre, this was like we used social media to grow that first business. This was circa like 2012, 2013. But man, I, I call myself a pioneer. I was just out there just doing it. And I wasn't on social media and I wasn't on the internet. I was just figuring shit out of my own. Now it's a painful way to do it. And that's too far the other way, mm -hmm. way too far the other way. My life could have been so much easier had I not done that. 
but it, well, there was beauty in just being in the silence and we don't give ourselves permission to yeah. just be in the silence and to figure things out. So I always say this, but finding a coach or mentor is like dating. That might sound weird because maybe you've got like a male coach and you're like, well, that sounds weird. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but it is, it's like dating. So you need to find people that have similar values. You need to find somebody who has a similar orthodoxy or one that you feel like is best suited for you. You need to find somebody that has done something that you feel like aligns with your skill sets. I could do that. Oh, that makes sense to me, mm -hmm. right? I've worked with tons of mentors. I spent hundreds of thousand dollars. It's not an exaggeration. Working with with various people, but man, sometimes you find the right person. You spend two grand on their program, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like that just unlocked everything for me. Doesn't mean the other stuff isn't relevant. It doesn't mean you don't pull that other stuff back into their methodology. But finding the right person and then staying in, in immersed in that community of that particular person's teachings, that's really where it's at. And then I would say this too: I'm a big advocate of using my phone like smoke breaks, right? So. I, I, my phone is, ne this is my office. My phone does not come into this office. It just doesn't. During the workday, I don't care. Uh, the only thing that'll happen is I'll get a buzz on here if, if an emergency call comes through because my phone's on do not disturb. I set favorites on my phone, right? So if my mom, God forbid mm -hmm. something happened and somebody calls, that's coming right. through. Or if you call twice in a row, it'll still come through. But I'm locking that out completely. Social media, I have it limited to an hour a day. Now, a lot of people say that's oh, a full hour. Yeah, well, because I'm using a lot of it for work. So right, I do right. need social media. Hour a day on social media, all social media total, not just like each platform an hour a day because I'm protecting my brain. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing, I use my Muse S, which is a neurofeedback device. So mm -hmm. I'm doing meditation. I read, I make sure to read a book a week, right? It, it was found that people that read a book a month are in the top of their field. People that read a book a week are, are in the top 1% of their field. Mm. Like literally it's that cut and dry. It's that cut and dry. Wow. Reading changes your brain back to counteract what the internet is doing to our brains. It does promulgate and promote creative thinking, deep thinking, thought, meditation, linear thinking, all the things that the internet is, does the opposite of. So the reason I say all this and why I'm getting into the nerdy brain science of it is because <laughs> when we're trying to take in all those various inputs, we're overloading the brain. We're trying new things and we never get deep into one specific strategy from one particular person, right? Because you said it yourself, I'm confident that it would work to some various, various degree, yeah. right? Like working with somebody might get me to six figures. And maybe that's what they do. And maybe I've got to adopt a new mentor to get to seven figures or eight figures or whatever, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do in your business. Right. But really locking in, we've become a microwave society. We want things now. Why? Because our brains are being trained to be that way. So when we do a strategy, somebody's strategy for a week, and they're like, you got to be consistent with your podcast. Awesome. We do an episode. We do, cool, I'm doing four episodes this week. By, you, by week two, three, four, five, we're not doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not staying on that same consistent schedule. We're not implementing their strategies anymore. So for me, it's doing less right? Some of the biggest, most successful people that I've come across in life, they have four major initiatives a year, not a week, a year. That blew my mind, literally blew my mind when I found that out. It's, and I'm a big fan of Brian Moran, by the way, the 12 week year is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Love, love 12 yeah, week year. Yeah. What's, what's goal number one? What's the most important goal right now? I love the book, The One Thing Too by Gary Keller. It's The One Thing is the name of the book, not The One Thing Too. The One Thing by Gary Keller laid on top of 12 week year. You read those two books, you're well on your way. Find one or two mentors Read those books, focus on an annual goal. Annualized goals are such a far city. Like it, they're, they're never going to work. So that's why I like 12 week year. What's that one goal with that one mentor you've identified? This is what I need for that season. I have a process that I go through. And if I'm, if I'm bouncing over the place, just stop me here. But it's a protocol that works for me. It's called leader. It's called be a leader. L-I-T-L-I-T-R. Learn, implement, test, repeat. Learn, implement, test, repeat. You're learning the things that you've identified that you need to work on next. You're implementing the things that you've now learned because you're strategically executing on those things. You're testing to make sure it works. You're repeating the process. 
The reason I like that is because I'm an I. I'm a dominant I, meaning I just want to go implement stuff. Nah, I don't want to read the book. That's too much work. I don't want to go through the program first. Yeah. Ah. yeah. Right. So I just want to do stuff and it makes shit harder. I jump off the I jump off a cliff and figure out how to build a plane the way down. That's yeah. a painful way to learn shit. <laughs> yeah. As I discovered. Yeah. Right. Now on the other side, you have professional learners, is what I call them. They want to learn everything there freaking is to know. And it's really an excuse because they're scared. They're mm -hmm. afraid they're going to fail. Yeah. So they feel like they have to know everything and know the manual, read it upside down three times and backwards before they actually try something. They need to kick their ass into motion. So if you follow that leader plan of making sure I'm learning what I need to learn, to implement the next thing I need to learn or, or ne the next thing I need to do to test that, to make sure it's actually working, not just for, set it and forget it. And then repeating that process. So I feel like if you limit your scope of the people you're following, identifying the people you need for that particular season, implement it and, and determine what's the one thing right now of all the things I could be doing from the book, the one thing using the 12 week year to identify these are the, this is this quarterly goal. I'm just focused on that and use the leader method. I feel like you are on your way. You will find your way to that tunnel extremely fast. Wow. I have so many questions about so many things <laughs> yeah. about everything that you just said. And, uh, I, I do have to say, I think we talked about it before, but I have my social media set for 15 minutes. Perfect. every day. So yeah, that's it, beautiful. It's, Even better. It is, it is the best. Yeah. Um, but I do want to switch topics because yeah. we have a limited amount of time and I'm actually, re I'm reading a book right now called spirit tech and it's about consciousness hacking on how you use technology and tools and potentially drugs to like unlock things yeah. quicker than you normally would. And when we were on your show, you mentioned psychedelics and that you're starting to experiment with those. So I would love to hear a little bit about that experimentation, what you're experimenting with and why you're doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't tell the ATF that I'm talking about this. I guess that would be the one that <laughs> the, D, the DEA would probably be more likely DEA, ATF, whoever would be the, the three letters that would come after me for this one. Yeah, man. So I mentioned when I was in that dark tunnel season that you're faced, you really have to face your demons and realize the uh, the reasons that you kind of created and manifested the realities of your life, right? Um, I'm a big believer. I'm a huge Christian. So a lot of people are like, wait, what? This Christian guy's into psychedelics? That's kind of oxymoronic and he's been led astray. But but anyways, yeah. So So for me, it was like a lot of the issues were actually leading me away from trusting God with the decisions I was making in my life. Like they really were providing a separation and to a large degree. So I did, so I guess to kind of go back to, to square one here in that season, the dark season, did a lot of the, the, the rat conventional therapies and talk therapy and stuff like that. And I just, man, I would just hit these walls. I just feel like they could not, they just, they owned me. Like I just, no matter what I did, I just couldn't, it was like I was wrestling a, a walrus. Like I just couldn't <laughs> do anything, you know, I couldn't move it. So I had a friend that was into, and I, I knew this, he was into uh, various forms of, of NLP, specifically EFT. So for people who don't know what that is, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, if you look it up, they're going to call it pseudoscience. I promise you there's some merit to it. And there's like, that would take a whole podcast episode just to talk about what that merit actually looks like. Uh, but it's been found to be extremely effective, specifically over things like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I can get into all whatever at some point. But anyway, so EFT is emotional freedom technique. It's mm -hmm. tapping on your various like pressure points of your body and then working through various situations, how you felt through a situation, so on and so forth. It's it's basically acupressure instead of acupuncture. That's effectively like the most easiest way that I can describe what it is. So we kind of noticed there were some things cracking there. Like I wasn't the type of person that no matter what, I wouldn't shed a tear, no matter what. Like I've conditioned myself through the traumas that I experienced growing up. I grew up in an abusive home to never show emotion. Yeah. Well, the problem is you don't get to choose what emotions you show and which ones you don't. You just block them all, you lock them all away, right? Yeah. And that, effect, that was affecting me at a big level. The, the next thing for me was, 
is that I was constantly trying to prove myself because the person that I was abused by growing up, I felt like I always had to prove to him that I was worthy because no matter what I did, uh, if I could have scored 50 points in a basketball game, I was the captain of my team. I was playing multiple sports at a time. Like I was making straight A's. I had a job. Like I was doing all the things and it was never enough. Never, no matter what, it was never enough. It was, if I scored 50 points. It was, well, you had six turnovers and you fouled out with two minutes left in the game. That was the focus. Right. Or it was focusing on my friends, you know, that one of them played pro baseball and one of them played collegiate NCAA division one basketball at Miami. But obviously I'm not going to measure up to them because I didn't go play pro baseball in division, division one basketball. Right. So uh, that was always the bar that I was compared to. So I never felt good enough. I never felt like I was achieving enough. So take that bad data, no emotions, right? So you're not celebrating any of the wins in your life on top of constantly needing to prove yourself. You talk about a hamster wheel, yeah. Jesus Christ, you're you're going to be, no matter what you do, you feel like you're a total schmuck, you're total, but I remember a million dollars, 26, 27 years old. It was like, oh, hey, somebody um, uh, somebody pulled out in front of you in the car and they waved hi. That, like, yeah. that was the significance of it to me. Wow. You know, it, 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 like it, had, it meant nothing. It, meant, it was off to the next. So how do I make a billion? You know, it was, a, that's, it's a devast, it's, it's devastating. Like it really drives you into to insanity. So the problem is that these are really deep layers of the onion. If you look at the, you know, kind of the subconscious as layers of the onion, you're cutting into those layers. The, the, in my mind, the conventional therapy like maybe cuts that first layer. It gives you the ability to rationally do something with your trauma, mm -hmm. right? It's a crutch. It's let's yeah. take this trauma and then we can act in accordance that we basically bypass the trauma to, so you can function as a normal human being in society. That's mm -hmm. what conventional therapy is. And I'm not shitting on it because it's extremely effective and a lot of people, they really benefit from it. But that's really what it is. NLP is like a layer deeper. You're tapping into the subconscious, but you haven't shifted your consciousness enough to be suggestible enough to be able to really make big, 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 deep-seated changes, like at your OS level. Like yeah. you could change the cover you put on your phone, or you could upgrade and put a new wallpaper on your screen, or add new apps and new new bells and whistles and stuff, but you ain't changing the OS mm -hmm. with, with NLP alone. You're just not. So finally, and, and to much of my probably reluctance. I got to be hearing like four times in a week, two weeks. Hey man, you got to try psilocybin. You got to try psilocybin. It's changing my life. It's changed my life. It's like, trust me, it's not what, it's not what's been depicted. Mario's not going to jump out of the screen and try to fight you. Like that's not what happens. Like the room doesn't melt. People don't scream at you. Like it's so exaggerated. That's not what happens. Okay, perfect. I'll try it. So I, I had already been dabbling with Delta eight, which is a legal, uh, it is a polymer and isomer of, of THC. It is, it's a THC like derivative. It's mm -hmm. like THC is Delta nine. This is Delta eight. It's legal in Texas, it's legal in many places. And I was experiencing some pretty radical, like deep changes in terms of just understanding things from through a different lens, but maybe not necessarily as, as far deep. Like I'm literally keep going down this rabbit hole as I wanted to introduce psilocybin. Dude, your life changes in 10 minutes. I mean, literally your life changes in 10 minutes. You just understand things and see things and feel things through a totally different level. Um, I, I saw, and I don't know how much we're going to get into this, but I saw, um, I saw, I saw God. I saw like the, the, the massive, like not like a face or anything, but I saw like this massive presence that is God, or I understood it to be God, like pouring life energy out into all things and giving everything life. And that this is like seven minutes into my first assignment experience. It was wild. <laughs> But you just start to hear and understand things and you just genuinely feel a sense of peace. Things come to you that there's no way that I conjured up in my imagination. Uh, in fact, a study came out and it said that like, uh, don't quote me the number specifically, it was like 70, 65 or 70%, even as high as 75%, something in that ballpark. 
of people that went in that were atheists went into like a psilocybin study because they do these control studies and stuff like that. Uh, I think Johns Hopkins has like a division that they do something there. They went in atheists. They came out believing in something. Doesn't believe that mean they believe in what I believe in, but they right. believe in something now. So there's right. radical transformations that are happening at a deep, deep, deep subconscious level. In fact, now some of the studies are showing um, that it is literally you from one round of psilocybin. This is magic mushrooms for those who don't know what that means. Uh, one round, one one microdose of that can have the effects of an antidepressant for an entire year. Right now, you tell me if if Big Pharma came out with a drug, they said you take it once a year. Right. Mm -hmm. What was that scene from the office where Kevin Malone's like an antacid that lasts for a month, <laughs> you know, and like, it's like the big idea that he had, if you're not an office fan. You're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, it lasts for up to a year. They're finding that is literally like the, the brain's natural reset. It literally is changing the brain in ways that we can now measure, which is unbelievable. And it's really powerful. It's helping people with things like depression, with addiction, with, with the things that I mentioned, right? Trauma is a huge one. It's helping people with really just having a deeper and better and broader understanding of life uh, for me and the prove myself bug, it just got completely destroyed because I went to a deep like soul level where I forgave my, this person. And I don't say who, cause I don't want to disrespect this person while sure. this person's still alive. I, I said, I wouldn't do that until this person passes. This person forgave him at a deep, deep, deep level. And I just immediately just started bawling like a, like a child, like just started bawling yeah. in a way that I haven't cried in years. And people start noticing like, man, you're so much more present. Like you're so like, you, I just, I feel you more, right? You're not like stone cold and behind this, you know, really iron tight wall and not willing to divulge or share things and stuff like that. It changes you. It literally changes you. And so I'm not here to tell people to go out and run and find a local street corner. I wouldn't do that. But if you've, if, if you've, if you've gone through all of the other things, if you've done the conventional therapy for years, you spent thousands of dollars. If you've go, tried NLP work, I did hypnotherapy. I did the EFTs. I did all those things. And that's still, there's still a block there. I 100% think that it's something to explore. The good news is, is there are people called psychedelic integrative therapists mm -hmm. and they actually walk you through that. So they don't source it for you. It's like you show up and order it like McDonald's. You have to source it. And hopefully it's from a, li a reliable source, which is probably why you should, should legalize it and regulate it because that way we could actually know what the hell's in this stuff. You can also grow it at home if you want. Again, this is not advice. Just telling you can if you want to. Um, but if you source it and you take it to a person like that, they'll sit there with you through your trip. It's the most beautiful experience you'll have in your life. And having somebody there to walk you through it, it just helps. Even my wife, sometimes I'll be on it and I'll talk to her and we'll have like deep, profound conversations about our relationship and our lives together. And like, man, like, what was I thinking? Like, why did I do that? I'm so sorry. Like, you know, and it's it's just an amazing, beautiful experience. You just feel love and uh, I would call it the Holy Spirit, but like you feel all these things kind of with you and you feel the room around you. And every, I mean, I could go into all these crazy experiences that I've had doing it, but man, I, I've heard people that have gone through and I know some integrative therapists, psychedelic integrative therapists that have literally now changed people's lives to such a degree that people gave them season tickets to sporting events that he stays at their beach houses. I mean, they literally changed their life that they feel like he's part of the family now. So it's a beautiful thing. It's growing in terms of popularity again, which is amazing. And I highly recommend it to anybody that just feels stuck with something. And they're just like, I don't want to look back. This is me. I don't want to look back at the end of my life and be like, I could have been this, but these stupid things were blocking me. And I knew they existed. I knew they were there, but I couldn't do a damn thing about it. Yeah. Right. I want to be everything I can be in this life. I want to do everything that I aim to do. And then, damn it, if this stupid shit that I experienced when I was seven is going to stop me from doing that, that's not, that's not acceptable for me. Right. Yeah. So that that over that overcomes any preconceived notions I have about the therapies or what have you. And, and moreover, and then I'm going to stop talking here. Um, 
look into if you really want to understand you're like well that's legal that's illegal and you know pharmaceutical <laughs> drugs are legal and they're blah 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 okay look into how this stuff is made look into the vast amount of knowledge we have about the stuff that's made in a lab the antidepressants the side effects that they have how bad that stuff is in relation to something like psilocybin because i promise you this there's very few for psilocybin and there's a plethora like 200 pages long of things like like vivance for one it's not antidepressant is like a one molecule away from from speed the drug speed literally literally mm -hmm. the reason that we think that it's bad because it's illegal is because literally it's just that i promise you alcohol is worse for you drinking yep. than psilocybin or marijuana or thc yeah. or delta 8 or any of those things 100 percent. it's just a societal norm that we've placed upon it to say that this is not good because someone said that it's illegal bottom line is this and this is conspiratorial so you can take this with a grain of salt if you want or you can believe my my viewpoint here there's no money in people getting well. There's no money in people shifting their trauma in a few sessions. There's an amazing documentary on Netflix you should check out. I don't know the name offhand. I'll give it to you guys. You can put in the link if you want to in the, the description. But they talk about psilocybin specifically. And after three three rounds, people are changing their lives forever. Like people that have OCD to the point that they almost kill their baby because they're so OCD have no signs, no discernible signs of OCD anymore from three microdoses of psilocybin. There's no money in that. There's just not. So yeah. follow the money and you let you let that just determine what you believe in, but it's viable and I'm a living testament to it. And I swear by it. I do it probably once a month. That's amazing. There are 4,000 questions left that we want to ask you, but we are actually out of time. We didn't even get to all the amazing uh, things that you offer your audience. I told you guys. I, told you show, I, talk. I can't so, stop myself. Well, we'll do it again <laughs> sometime because uh, obviously you, you have a lot to share and, uh, and this has been a lot of fun. Um, so you are clearly a leader in, in sort of helping take care of your, your health, your, your mental health, all of that. Obviously, through what you're doing with the podcast and the business, you can help people sort of live the dream, chase the, uh, the entrepreneur, entrepreneur life all of that. So where can we learn more about you and follow you online so that we can take yeah, the advantage best thing of all to do you is, have to offer? Yeah. The best thing to do if you're interested in starting a business is just check out Startup You Podcast. If you're right here on, an, on a podcast player right here, a podcast app, the best thing to do is just go over there and look up for Startup You Podcast. Startup You, like university, one word, uh, with Chris Michael Harris, that's me. And then the last question, I, the last thing I have for your audience, and this would be huge. I'd be forever grateful if you guys would do this. It takes 20 seconds. I promise you can scream at me if, if, if I lie. Uh, but what Jeremy and Zach are doing here it, it, there's a lot of work, guys, that goes into that. It really is more than just sitting down and putting on a microphone and a headset and talking to somebody. So if you could, it's like leaving a tip for your waiter or waitress. It's free to do it. Call, it takes you 20 seconds. Leave them a review uh, and subscribe to the show. Those are two things that the podcast apps look for when they determine like how to show the show to other people, right? So if you do that for them, I'd be I'd be super grateful. And the checks in the mail. Thank you so much, Chris, <laughs> for, the, for that and for everything you shared with us today. And uh, looking forward to continuing to follow you and everything you're doing on your podcast. Thanks so much for your time today. Cool, guys. I enjoyed it. Our thanks to Chris Michael Harris. He's the host of the Startup You podcast. You can find links to him and his work in the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. And this, I know, has become cliche in the podcast world, but Chris literally is one of those guys I could have talked to for hours. There's so many questions we didn't even get to. Uh, but I was thrilled that we got to spend some more time talking about his experience with psychedelics, with psilocybin. It's something that has been on my radar for a long time and one that my therapist is constantly saying, you know, I can't officially recommend, but you might want to look into trying some some psilocybin because it, from everything that I've heard about it, everything that I know, everything I've read, it fast forwards therapy like 20 years in an evening, right? Like it's it's just an incredibly powerful healing tool Again, anecdotally from what I've heard and from what I've read in, in different research studies. So if you have been considering that, maybe, maybe this is a, another reason to look further into that. But I also just want to say there are other ways to get 
samplings of what it may offer. And, and I've experienced them through breath work, through meditation, through various forms of both. I've worked with coaches on to, to get better at and to be able to go deeper. And so if, if, you know, the psychedelics are maybe uh, outside of your, your comfort zone and not something you're willing to dabble with, there are other ways to get a taste of it for your own, for your own healing. Just to be clear here, we are not recommending. No that you go take psilocybin or any other hallucinogenic drug. Correct. Uh, we are recommending that you read articles about it and get curious about it and just take a look at it and then make a decision for yourself. From a very real and legally binding uh, point of view, that is. Yes, I've done all the reading. I'm just going to say that of all the things I've seen about it, like I just, I'm very excited about it. But speaking of doing things to your brain that may or may not be good for you, the first time I learned that most of the serotonin that goes into your brain is produced in your gut and, you know, proper gut health is required to get that. Like that just blew my mind away. I mean, mm -hmm. or blew my stomach away. <laughs> like, Which mind? Exactly. Like that, that gut brain connection that is clearly there. And like, I've seen vast, vast changes in my mental mood just by making sure I'm eating things that are appropriate for my gut health. I can't recommend enough, like going out getting your, your gut biome diagnosed and figuring out what it is you need to do to make your gut as healthy as possible. Cause holy shit, like that's, that's like antidepressants right there. That has moved to the top of my to-do list. There, there are folks here in town that have been meaning for a year to look into and, and going in and visiting. And after this conversation, that's something I definitely want to do. And it's something even in the last week, you know, I've, I've been sort of getting my nutrition dialed back in uh, to, to where it closer to where I want it to be. And I can already feel the difference. It's just when, when you pay attention, when you track it, and when you're aware of what you're putting into your body and you're making better choices, you do, you just feel better. And so if you can find out exactly what your body needs and, and the ways that your body can better absorb nutrition, I can only imagine that the, the possibilities of how much better I can feel even than I do now must be endless. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but with all of this, but let's not forget who we are. Or if you have forgotten who you are, go find out. What he talked about with identity it was just so close to home for me because, I mean, like I said at the beginning, I lost my identity and I had to go find myself. I think everyone should really have that deep work to figure out what their identity is and replace it if necessary. I think even, even you saying you lost your identity, I don't think accurately reflects what you went through. I think you like so many of us created a false identity in an attachment to a thing or to a title or to a, a responsibility that is in no way you, it is a set of things that you do that people identify as who you are. And it is not, you are, mm -hmm. you are not your job. You are not your car. You are not your spouse or, or your, your partner's partner. You are something else that functions within those relationships. And so like you said, if you can do the work to get a little bit closer to who that is, by whatever means are safe, legal, and necessary, we, uh, we highly recommend that you do that. I can tell you what I am. Yeah, yeah what's that? Awesome. <laughs> you know what else is awesome? Our Facebook group. You should totally join it. There you can connect with fellow FitMess listeners for monthly challenges, accountability to reach your goals, and just a, a cool connection with a lot of people on a really similar journey. And you can make fun of Zach. I keep trying to get more and more people to go in there and make fun of Zach. So please do that. There's a link to do that on our website, thefitmess.com. And that's where we will be back next week with a brand new episode. 
See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast.